0: was wounded when their vehicle was struck by incoming fire in Harenka, outside the capital. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: Good morning and welcome to Backchat with uh, Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And this morning on Backchat, we'll be continuing with the uh, COVID topic, but we'll be looking further afield uh, to see what's happening uh, across the border in mainland China and in other parts of the region uh the mainland facing its highest number of daily infections since the wuhan outbreak in 2020 uh, the northeastern province of jilin which is under lockdown as is, is again accounting for most of the latest cases and the city of donggun in guangdong has joined shenzhen in going under a week-long lockdown uh, before i introduce our guests uh for this mornings uh, back chat uh, I've got uh, just to let you know I've got a few more emails and some comments on our Facebook page which I'll save till a bit later um, because now we would like to speak to our guests. Uh, We have uh, with us on the line uh, Yang Lin, Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and also on the line from Singapore, uh, Dale Fisher, a Senior Consultant of Infectious Diseases at the National uh, University Hospital in Singapore, and also Chair of the Global Outbreak Alert and Response Network of the World Health Organization. Um, Good morning to you both. Um, um, perhaps uh, uh, Yang Lin first. Um, so um, these infection figures in mainland China, and the, the, the big question is: uh, obviously, the mainland has a great deal of experience in dealing with outbreaks. Um, but now we're facing the Omicron, uh, the uh, Omicron variant. What difference is that going to make? Do you think? Well, I think. Uh, can you
2: hear me clearly? Yes,
1: we can hear you. Yes.
2: Yeah. All uh, right. Uh, I think Omicron actually has very different uh, risk profile compared to the previous variants in terms of uh, transmissibility and uh, uh, virulence. So, uh, uh, for so far, there's no deaths uh, caused by Omicron in the mainland cases, and uh, also most of the cases actually are mild, very mild, or even uh, no symptoms at all. So, I think, uh, but. The lockdown may slow down the transmission for, you know, to, to buy some time for, for vaccination or, you know, um, or preparedness. But uh, I think eventually uh, the social distancing is not the only measure we can rely on. Our vaccination should be in, in enhanced in the, in, the, in the whole population, except, uh, especially children and uh, the elderly. So that's a lesson we have learned in Hong Kong. This
1: way so far. Mm. Uh, and what is the vaccination rate like now among the elderly and uh, children in the mainland?
3: Well, I don't have the most update data, but... Uh, I do, but I do. It's 50% um, of the elderly, which leaves around, compared to 40 here, which leaves about 17 million elderly vulnerable in China who are not yet having had two doses of vaccine. Yeah, yeah
2: that's pretty much same uh, I heard from uh, you know, in, in a big city, actually, uh, the vaccination rate could be slightly higher, like 50% for the elderly, but uh, still far uh, below the kind of threshold we need to achieve to offer the protection for this vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. And also, same, uh for young children at like aged uh, five years old below, actually, we don't have any vaccines available for them as well in the mainland. So, uh, same situation will be, uh, you know, you know, uh, what will happen again in mainland China, like what we have uh, experienced in Hong Kong.
1: Uh, sorry, would you say the same situation. Um,
2: the, I, I mean the low vaccination right. in the susceptible population.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean that's kind of a uh, difficult situation. Uh, the mainland authority need to deal with.
1: So there must therefore be a great deal of concern about uh, potentially a a large number of fatalities then uh, among the unvaccinated elderly.
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, uh, good morning to you, Dale Fisher. Good morning, Jim. So uh, thanks again for joining us uh, on the programme. Could we ask you, first of all, um, I mean, since... I think we spoke, um, we've seen the number of uh, infections uh, rocket in here in Hong Kong and the number of fatalities, again, mostly among unvaccinated uh, elderly, uh, very sadly uh, going up to the level that it is now, around about 200 or more a day. Um, uh, From your point of view uh, as an advisor to the WHO, um, what's your assessment of what's happened here in Hong Kong? Well,
4: every country is really saying... uh a surge with uh, the highly transmissible Omicron. Um, Singapore is just coming off that sur- that sort of peak now, but uh, it, it's really tremendously hard to to stop. And uh, you know what you're you're seeing with the the zero COVID policy um, in, in Hong Kong and and throughout China is uh, is it, it actually it's uh, it, it's really becoming difficult, and and there has to be be some sort of recognition ultimately that uh that endemicity is 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 the way to move and 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 how you move into that is sort of how soft that landing can be if you like bearing in mind the the health and the the social and the economic consequences that's the that that's the art of the stage for for most countries
3: because australia and new zealand just gave up on zero COVID, didn't they so just couldn't do it
4: well, I, I I wouldn't regard it as giving up. I, I would well, regard did. it as, as
3: <laughs> they as, did.
4: Well, no, no, but it's accepting. It's not. Uh, it's not saying we we're, we're going to keep trying and oh, we can't do it. It's it's that it's just not feasible. There, there, there comes a point where you just say, um, you know, it does keep breaching the borders. Uh, it it is causing too much pain to, to drive it back to zero with, with lockdowns and mass testing and things like that. And and this is not a sustainable approach. So, I mean, you can call it giving up if you like, but uh, I would say it's just uh, accepting the reality more than giving up.
3: Michael Osterholm's words, not mine. So what's happening in Singapore just now? Well,
1: we're,
4: we're, we're coming off, um, off that peak. We've still got a lot of restrictions, of course. We still have... Um, you know, mandated mask wearing inside and outside um, except in your own home if you like um, we still have maximum numbers that can can mingle socially is is still five um any, any mass gatherings are very uh very uh controlled if you like so uh so we've still got those but uh we peaked at sort of 15 to twenty thousand cases a day um at least recorded cases a day. We think that's a big underestimate estimate now. Um, and our cases in in intensive care, for instance, uh, uh, are in the the, th- the 30s and 40s now, which is way off the, the peak of 150 uh, a couple of months ago. So, so we're we're sort of steering our way towards that uh, towards that landing, if you like.
3: Right. Now, Looking at the global situation and again looking back in history to the fourth wave of the Spanish flu in 1920, this was characterized by a huge wave of uh, ambivalence in the population who had complete influenza fatigue. And although the newspapers were carrying alarming stories of the number of deaths and the dangers, the general population ceased to care. Do you think there's a sort of danger here? It's like staring into the sun, after a while you just become numb to it all and it just becomes too much to take seriously. How are we going to, do you, do you see, and, and Singapore is kind of leading the way with this, how are we going to keep up the appropriate level of response in the population, especially when the cases ease off again?
4: Yeah, um, you're right. And, and this is about how you live with the virus in, in the longer term. Uh, we need... A good relationship between health authorities and the community, because the the virus, you know, is constantly mutating. There's there's, there's likely to be more variants of concern. Um, immunity will wane over time, so so we can expect, you know, future surges. And with future surges, there's a there's a there's an impact, particularly if hospitals are are under threat. We know how how much harm. How much extra harm they can do when hospitals can't do the, the the job they're there to do so 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 as as we come out as we ease off restrictions and, and move into that endemicity we need to to remember that endemicity means that that will be there'll still be fluctuating numbers and there'll still be potential for surges and and we may have to backtrack we might have to say okay um, masks go back on um, the the uh, you know large gatherings have to have to stop again we we may have to backtrack as a as a community
3: now but, look at your
4: we-
3: with your who connections um you know that the threat of other um bugs hasn't waned at all h5n1 is still lurking around and all the other um chicken flu variants in in the who do you see them taking um a very just a very focused view of this or are they looking beyond this to the future and making future plans
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm very well networked in WHO, but I I don't work for WHO or or speak for them. But uh, with with that caveat, I I would say you're absolutely right. Whether it's a new variant or a new virus altogether, this is how communities and health authorities need to be uh, unified. They need to to be one, and that happens through communications, through building trust, through through ha- having faith in our system and, and through having a good health system, that uh, every now and then we're going to call on communities to, to help us control, um, uh, you know, surges in infectious diseases. And, and you're right, whether it's a, a, new co- a, a new variant of COVID or whether it's a, a new flu or, or whatever, we, we, we do need um, the, the community to understand and, and, and help be part of the response.
1: Um, Yang Lin, uh, could I ask you, um, obviously, the mainland is is very good at dealing with uh, outbreaks and, and uh, locking down uh, areas, whole cities, breaking isolation chains. But what about uh, what uh, Dale Fisher was saying, that sooner or later, given the, the, uh, the spreadability of Omicron, there may have to be a change of approach. There may have to be some sort of thinking whereby, OK, uh, sooner or later, we're going to have to live with this.
2: Uh, I think that there are a lot of debate, debates recently about uh, the dynamic zero and uh, with the virus eventually. I think a lot of discussions have been uh, found in, in the government or in the, uh, I mean in, in the social media. But uh, uh, in the short term, I, I don't see any change in, in policy and uh, probably will we'll maintain this dynamic zero for, for quite a long time. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, the, whether it, it it has to be taking lockdown the whole city lockdown complete lockdown or regional lockdown, uh, we we see actually uh, Shanghai has insisted they won't do any uh, the lockdown for the whole city uh, instead of identifying the high risk uh, high risk regions uh, to 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 do some regional lockdown. But uh, Shenzhen, Dongguan, and Ching uh, 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 all cities uh, adopted complete lockdown. We we'll probably can compare, you know, the data from the cities to see which approach could be uh, working better in terms of uh, minimize the uh, disease burden at the same time maintaining the economy and the daily life of the general public.
1: Yeah, interesting. You mentioned Shanghai, the the financial centre, of course. Population of twenty four million. Yeah, I mean, the city approach is is quite different, isn't it, to other parts of uh, China. Like you say, they've never had a lockdown. Um, they're operating this uh, dynamic clearing system. Um, so, why is it? Um, how come you know Shanghai is able to do that while other places can't? Uh, well, I think that uh,
2: they kind of. Uh, very stringent in terms of uh, uh, having a very efficient uh, contact tracing. So with the uh, efficient contact tracing you way know, they're able to identify you know the, the transmission chain very quickly and do the isolation as well. So uh, I think that it has been a model case uh, for the past two years but uh, we will see in all cases whether it can still work uh, not well. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think that the uh, Shanghai has uh, adopted a a different
3: approach compared to other cities. Okay, Dale Fisher, then- can we can, can we go back to the the sort of more bigger picture thing again? It really interests me what's going on in the states now. You've got three percent of families in the states who have had a family member who's died of COVID. That also means, of course, that ninety seven percent have not had a family member, and they're seeing a lot of. i um, speaking as a counsellor, talking to colleagues. They're seeing a lot of survivor guilt coming through, which is family members who believed that they were the one who gave it to the family as it goes through closed communities, and also people who felt that they weren't able to be there at the time of the death of their family member. How do you think the psychological effect of this is going to play out? Because, you know, we're all still busy putting out the fire, but the psychological effects will be much longer lasting
4: yeah i think it's um it, it's huge anna I, I think there are while we count cases and we count deaths there's there's so much we're not counting um you know the the economic impact on families and 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 what you're talking about is the the social impact on families and whether that's um weddings that couldn't go ahead or or children that have gone years without having a birthday party or schooling that's been lost or or as you say the 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 opportunity to, to grieve or or, or 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 you know be part of important moments which you know sadly deaths are um, yeah I, I think it's very hard to to measure and that's what goes into to what I'm saying now we you know what what's happened in the past is, has happened but how are we going to come out of the pandemic and and it's still we've still got health issues to, to to manage whether they're COVID or or non-COVID um we we don't want to have huge impacts on on you know so, social socially important uh things and and culturally important things and and economically important things so it's still there's still a huge balance to 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 manage as, as we come out of uh the pandemic but uh but yeah I, I take your point completely there's um, there, there's a lot of harm that's that's happened that needs to be part of the the recovery
1: um just to clarify uh, in singapore are people still wearing masks
4: yeah um mm. e- even outdoors so yeah. uh, if you uh, unless you're doing strenuous exercise that uh, ma- masks are still mandated
1: the yeah I, 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 yeah i think the advice was uh, mask wearing is required as a default is that right and then and then and then there is yeah st- it hasn't and,
4: changed since yeah. uh since about april 2020 there's uh there's a there's a discussion around you know can we start to ease that particularly if you're you're, you're outside but um but uh no it, it hasn't changed yet
1: and there are still limits on group sizes aren't there i think five people maximum and then five visitors it used, per household? Yeah, yeah.
4: It, it, it's certainly five people maximum uh, in a restaurant or something like that. Um, at your home, it's five people uh, at a time. You, it, it was five people per day, but it's now been relaxed, if I can use that word, to, to, to five people at, uh, at at one time. So you can have more than five in a day, but there's only five at a time. So it's still pretty... Uh, restrictive
3: and do inbound air travelers have to do quarantine or what's the situation
4: yeah we we have these um vaccinated travel lanes so if you're on certain flights um you don't have to quarantine when you come in but there are some still testing requirements um if you're not on one of those chosen flights then yeah you 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 still do home quarantine and, and some testing for seven days
1: and and I think Singapore's had quite a lot of arrivals from Hong Kong in uh, in recent weeks. Is, uh, have you seen much seen much of that in the local media there? Uh, so,
4: sorry, arrivals from,
1: from Hong Kong. F- from Hong Singapore? Kong, yeah, yeah. People uh, people relocating, uh, uh, well, uh, at least temporarily, from Hong Kong down to Singapore,
3: pushing up the property prices. We hear. Okay, well that. Uh
1: that works for me. I've got a
4: property. <laughs> no, um, no. I, I think this is an impact. Uh, obviously, I've heard of people in um, uh, leaving Hong Kong that, that have the opportunity, but, but actually there's been an exodus from, from Singapore as well to um, people from somewhere else um, uh, re- returning to their original homes. So, so, so it, is, it is impacting people. And a lot of that's just because people haven't been able to travel and they're realising they want to... Um, have Have better access to their to their families, so yeah it, it has gotten some
1: people down quite a bit mm. okay uh, uh, yang lin um obviously the the priority the main priority of the government here is to get to the stage. Where we can open up with the mainland. Oh well, uh, sh- sorry. Let me re- rephrase that. I mean, the main priority now is trying to limit the number of fatalities. But, but in terms of uh, in terms of travel and opening up, it's uh, opening up with the mainland is uh, what uh, the uh, authorities here want to happen first. Obviously, to do that, we've got to follow. The mainland uh, procedures and approach to dealing uh, with the Omicron wave. Uh, so, um, do you have any idea? Do you have any projection of how things might develop in the next few months? And you know, when when might we see the border reopening?
2: Well, I think at least uh, the border would not open until the end of this uh, wave. So, uh, after universal testing, uh, if the wave actually can be Uh, you know, uh, completely down, then probably we can discuss the reopening of the border. But at the moment, I think at least uh, in the summertime, it could be the most optimal timing, uh, but it's hard to predict, since you see in the mainland actually the waves already start to appear, and uh, some regions could have the surge uh, periodically. So it's really hard to predict
1: what's going to happen. Yeah. But it going to be the new future. Sure. OK, we've got a caller on the line. Guy, good morning.
4: Good morning. I'd like to ask your guest from Singapore uh, on his views of mask wearing during strenuous exercise. We used to have that uh, uh, excluded. We could mm. run and do strenuous exercise without a mask. We could uh, hike in country parks as well has now ended and I'm now forced to wear a mask on a run and it's really becoming uh, difficult to yeah. say the least yeah. and possibly not very healthy. I'd like to have hear his, his views please.
1: Yeah. Dale Fisher?
4: Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid I have to agree with the the, uh, the person that asked the question. It's, uh, it's, it, it's very difficult. Um, the, the risk would be low. Um, I'm presuming you're not jogging through uh large crowds um but but even if you were the ventilation is obviously very good because you're outside um we, we we know there can be a slight impact on on your your oxygen and co2 levels um which are obviously important when you're when you're doing strenuous exercise and we know exercise is important we've seen a report recently that uh the average weight of of children in singapore has gone up through the pandemic and uh We certainly don't want uh, want to stop people doing exercise. So um, I I was unaware of this rule, but uh, but, uh, I I must say I I personally wouldn't agree with it.
1: Uh, Guy, did you want to come back?
4: No, I I think that's very sensible, and uh, I would hope that that would be reviewed because it doesn't really make any sense to me. As you say, people don't go running in crowds. So... um, I
1: hope it uh, gets room Thank you. Okay. Okay, thanks for the call. And, uh, and thanks very much uh, to uh, both of our, our guests on Backchat this morning. Thank you to Dale Fisher, Senior Consultant in uh, Infectious Diseases at the National University Hospital in Singapore and also Chair of the Global Outbreak Alert and Response Network of the World Health Organization. And thanks very much to Yang Lin, Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Um, for the last uh, two or three minutes uh, of the programme, um, I, I have a few emails and comments on our Facebook that I would like to read out. Uh, this from Andrew says um, Now we have medical personnel coming from China to help with COVID. Why have we not allowed this in the past to deal with the habitual staff shortages in medical staff needs? And Colin says...
3: I think, can we just say that's because we've had a closed shop for medics here for a very long time. Okay,
1: well, yeah, thanks, Anna. That's uh, another issue, of course. But uh, uh, Colin says, uh, Who in the government is responsible for commissioning the new quarantine and isolation centre at Cheplak Cock, situated directly under the flight path, with flights at around 1,200 feet and decibel levels at around 100? Intolerable, Intolerable and beyond belief. Uh, um, a little conversation going on on our Facebook page. Uh, Bill says uh, twenty seven thousand seven hundred fifty six reported. Um, that is uh, case numbers, obviously. Times times four number unreported. And it says by the end of May there will most likely have been five million people infected, uh, ten thousand deaths, and four thousand nine hundred ninety thousand recovered in Hong Kong. I've seen that five million. Uh, Figure. I think that was from a Chinese university uh, projection. Um, uh, John says there is no evidence proving that COVID will be transmitted outdoors in the sunshine. So, why did the government close the beaches? Outdoor spaces uh, like the beach are far, far safer than every indoor space. Um, And let me see, uh, Duncan.
3: Does that mean the police are going to race around every weekend, putting down all the tents that are on the beaches? Well,
1: we'll, well, well, we'll see, because there are a lot rather a lot of people uh, taking to the outdoors, aren't there? And like you say, uh, on the beaches and putting up tents and uh, Duncan says, um, actually, this was from the other day, uh, splitting back chat into COVID update and back chat. Doesn't allow you to do justice to either topic and most importantly, doesn't allow any time for listeners to actually chat back. Uh, questions for experts are always delayed. Still wondering how 40 year olds have exceeded 100% dose uh, first vaccination rate. Um, yeah, that, that's some kind of a statistical uh, reckoning, I think, uh, Duncan. Um, uh, in terms of splitting up the program, I would say if anybody does have questions uh, that they'd like answered, uh, please try and get them to us early uh, to give us more chance. Because usually we're just having uh, COVID subjects before nine o'clock. But well, call uh, in, some days please like today, yeah, some da- days like today, we'll go for the whole hour around to nine thirty. Yes, and of course, um, there's a hotline two double three double eight two double six. You'll always get through if you want to uh, call into the program. Um, And, okay, Uh, I think that's about it, actually, for emails and Facebook comments. Thank you very much to you, Anna. And just before we go to the news summary and morning brew, a quick look at the weather. It's going to be uh, mainly cloudy, sunny intervals during the day with a top temperature of around 26 degrees, one or two rain patches at night, uh, moderate easterly winds, occasionally fresh offshore. The outlook... Uh, Rather warm with sunny intervals during the day in the next few days. It is currently 22 degrees, humidity 76 percent.
3: Due to the volatile COVID-19 situation, the public should stay at home and avoid going out, in particular elderly persons, as they have higher risk of severe illness. Family and friends should help them with shopping and other daily needs. If elderly persons must go out, they need to wear a mask and wash hands frequently. Pay attention to the latest situation. See your doctor promptly if feeling unwell, even if the symptoms are mild. Let's fight the virus together.
0: The new summary with Andrew Shirovsky. The hospital authority is beginning the distribution today of a groundbreaking antiviral drug for COVID-19. Clinical trials of Paxlovid indicate that it can reduce hospital admissions and deaths by almost 90%. The drug will be given to high-risk patients with mild symptoms. Hong Kong New epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling says it's not time to relax social distancing measures despite falling case numbers. He noted that more people had been seen moving around the SAR, which could slow the declining trend. And the prime ministers of Poland, the Czech Republic and Slovenia are in Kiev to show solidarity with Ukraine in the face of the Russian military attack. The European leaders who traveled by train held a meeting with President Volodymyr Zelensky. Those are the news headlines. We'll have more at 10 o'clock.
5: Stand by for the brew. Uh, a sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Design, great interpreter of Beethoven. And, uh, oh, so shy, quiet, and retiring, doggy counts, co founder of Rockefeller Records. This is a really for adults, it's not a for cats. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth.
2: Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations.
5: Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Wednesday here on Morning Brew. Well, musical chairs today. Unfortunately, our in-house musical genius Colin Touchin, well, he can't be with us again and likely won't be for a few weeks, but definitely looking forward to his return. However, top Australian conductor Guy Noble is more than happy to step in at 10.40 as we listen to the music of and chat about some famous classical Aussie composers and there were some amazing ones too 11.10, 11.10, we'll have our weekly catch-up with Doug Woodring from Ocean Recovery Alliance, live from Washington, D.C. Doug's got some great news for you today regarding our friend, the westbound rower Erden Erich, his incredible solo journey from California to Asia. While well, it's now on final approach. Of course, there's lots more to do as well. RTL France's Philippe Dovar is busy travelling today, so he'll be back next week. It certainly is one of those days. As Chris Watts can't be with us either, but he will be tomorrow, live from Bangkok. Aha, there's more. Because at 12.10, Chef Neil Tomes is going to pop by to give us just desserts. Why not? Bobby's off on holiday, away across the sea.